welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about The Incredibles 2. Jan, do you want to tell us about this movie? I sure do. Incredibles 2, by the way, not The Incredibles 2. Just Incredibles 2. Really? But the first one was The Incredibles. Yeah, it sure was. So there isn't a The Incredibles 1. It's not the Facebook. It's just Facebook. <laughs> it's not inc- The Incredibles. It's just Incredibles. I think it should be The Incredibles. Well, it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying that's not the title. <laughs> too Fast, Too Incredible. <laughs> Incredibles 2 is a 2018 movie. It was released like really recently because we saw it in theaters. It is a Pixar movie. Sequel, of course, to The Incredibles, which came out in 2004. So this is quite a few years later. It was directed by and written by Brad Bird. It stars Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Bowell, Samuel Jackson, among others. Introducing in this movie, Bob Ogdenkirk and Catherine Keener. Paul, do you want to tell us a little bit about the plot of Incredibles 2. When the Parr family uses their superpowers publicly, they catch the attention of a wealthy industrialist who is interested in bringing superheroes back into the public eye. Along with his more cynical and skeptical sister, Winston Deaver recruits Elastigirl to be the face of the new superhero initiative to change the law and make superheroes legal again. Meanwhile, a new supervillain arises to thwart Elastigirl in her every move. Elastigirl suspects something is afoot about the new supervillain, the Screenslaver, and her suspicions are confirmed when it turns out that the Screenslaver is secretly Evelyn Deaver. Evelyn uses her technology to brainwash Elastigirl and the many new superheroes who have been inspired by Elastigirl. Together they all defeat and enslave Frozone and Mr. Incredible, leaving only the Incredible children to save the day, which they do. Meanwhile, all along, Mr. Incredible has been at home trying to manage the children, which he does to mixed success. Including Jack-Jack, who is now a crazy superhero. Including Jack-Jack, who who manifests many powers. powers. We saw those powers in the last movie. Everyone in this movie acts like they're new, because I guess the characters didn't see them. Yeah, that was But we, the audience, saw them. Yeah, or saw some of them. Yeah. I said on Twitter today, uh, and it, you know, weeks ago by the time this got released, but... One day, I'll write down the plot summary instead of just winging it. But today, my friends, is not that day. (laughs) So if that didn't make sense, I think it made sense. I think that was the plot, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a little harder when you've only seen a movie once and you saw it in theaters. It is a little bit. You can't go back and look. But that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. All right. So, objectively, Jan, how good of a movie is Incredibles 2? I'm just going to come right out and say it right off the bat. Not as good of a movie as Incredibles 1. No. We've got the rule of sequels in full force here. 
sequel not as good. However, it has a lot of good stuff about it. Let's it's break it down good. a little bit. What about it do you think are highlights? What about it is good? Some highlights include the new animation. Mm-hmm. The like, inc- I mean, it's like however many years, 12 years later. The animation is so much better. Yep. The It's fun. It's got a lot more characters, new characters that are fun. I like all the new heroes mm-hmm. and stuff. Elastigirl is, does a lot of cool and fun things. And I like the way her, I think that her plot is the highlight of this movie. Mm-hmm. What about you, Paul? I agree. The animation is really good. I don't know. I think technologically the animation is pushing past what they did in the first movie. I don't know if in terms of design and creativity, they're pushing past what they did in the first movie, Mm. but you know, maybe I think void, uh, the way that they use void superpowers is very creative. Yeah. I agree. But mostly their animation is technically improved over the last movie, but not, I don't think artistically, uh, it's not backward. It's not a decrease from the previous movie, but I don't think it's a artistic improvement Mm. over the last one. I disagree. I disagree. Cause I think the, the new house with all of its, uh, like modern and and changing things and it's that the creativity of that new space plus the creativity of the whole new city i think it does have new things that are better or good i think the action sequences were are really well choreographed and planned and executed and that includes like elastigirl's big chase on the motorcycle i know jan doesn't like long chase scenes no this one was fine I felt like these chase scenes were all really visually interesting and like things kept happening and Mm -hmm. she had a chase scene chasing the villain through an apartment complex that was interesting and fun. She had a fight scene. There are various fight scenes of various characters that were always interesting to watch. I think, I think in terms of highlights, there was like the kind of expanded, uh, time with Jack Jack and his many powers was just fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as you said, I agree. Elastigirl and like seeing her using her powers was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So there, there was a sense of fun, especially with how they imagined the powers and how they imagined the action sequences and how every, you know, mm-hmm. that was a highlight, I think. Yeah. What about lowlights? What do you think they didn't do particularly well in this movie. I think that the having Elastigirl go off and have her plot and having the rest of the family stay home and have their plot was a giant mistake. Mm. They have very little to do with each other and they take a long time to come back together. Like almost the entire movie is these two separate plots. It felt like a TV show. You know, where there's like an A plot and a B plot. And sometimes the characters don't interact with each other because it's not their episode to do that. But this is a movie. Yeah. And they, the two plots should have something to do with each other. And even thematically, yeah. they didn't. 
They just had nothing. Well, yeah. They didn't have a very strong connection between the two of them. There is, I think, I don't actually disagree. I think there was a attempt at a connection. Not really in the, well, maybe we'll get to that in way too seriously. I think there was an attempt at a thematic connection, but I mm. agree it wasn't a strong one. Yeah. And just like Jack-Jack getting his powers was really fun and funny and like great to watch. But it just didn't have a lot to do with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I'll agree with that totally. And And so it didn't, it just graded against it. I said as a highlight, all the time with Jack-Jack was fun. But it, from a different perspective in kind of narrative terms, it was all a time waste. It, yeah. it made no difference to anything. And they kind of act as if it did when uh, Violet and Dash are like, what do we have? Oh, we have Jack-Jack. Now we're able to solve the thing. And then they don't act on that. And it is a weird thing to act as if like, he's our secret weapon. And like, but he's a baby who can't control his powers and you can't control them either. And they sometimes yeah. can and sometimes can't whenever it feels useful to them to be able to and that was i feel like of just an attempt to make that time that we spent on jack jack plot relevant but it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly i was disappointed the plot in general i was a little disappointed in the storytelling i felt like it was poor storytelling did you see the villain twist coming from a mile away two I... miles away wasn't totally sure which one of the siblings would be the villain. I, there was two reasons why I immediately thought it was her. One was she was very shadowy. Yeah. Which maybe I guess could have been a red herring. Yeah. But secondly. I think in a better movie it would have been. Secondly, just from a meta perspective, she wasn't in the trailers at all. (laughs) She is zero amount in the trailers. And that was, made me think like. Well, that's interesting. Why wouldn't they put her in the trailers? Because they don't want to give any sort of hint that she might be the villain, which means she's the villain. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I but feel that's, like just, that's not within the movie. That was just extra information. I feel like in a better movie, he would have been the villain. And in an even better movie, neither of them would have been the villain. <laughs> yeah, I felt like the villain... I My dream for the villain would have been Mirage coming back from the first movie. Yeah, that would have been good. And I don't know if that would have been good or not, but I that was my hope. It would have been better than this. Like, we I, we skipped past highlights, and I forgot, like, I think Bob Odenkirk is doing a great job in yes. this movie. Yeah. In terms of voice acting, I think all the returning cast are doing as good as they did, in, close to as good as they did in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Basically, I think the returning cast are doing good. The new Dash is... Inter- is as good as the old dash. Yeah, yeah. I don't a good job of... distinguish their quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Bob Odenkirk was great. Uh, didn't have a lot to do, really. Mm-hmm. They didn't demand very much of him, but what they did, he did well. Yeah. Um, but these two siblings, like, it was like an attempt at some c- social commentary that didn't really land, I think. Mm-hmm. And kind of... Uh, tanked some of the storytelling yeah yeah like she likes inventing technology but she hates technology yeah what 
And he... His only motivation for superheroes is, like... It's just odd. It's just... I don't... I wish there had been different characters in their place. He's exactly who he originally seems to be in every way. Yeah, exactly. There's no more depth to his character than our very first introduction to him. And she... Her big heel turn is not really motivated, but it's very... Uh, telegraphed. Telegraphed. Yep. Yeah. So aside from objectively, how much did you enjoy this movie? I kind of think I enjoyed it more than I think it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun at this movie. All the Jack-Jack stuff I recognize in narrative terms as spinning the movie spinning its wheels but i still liked it and enjoyed it so i liked i had fun at this movie Mm -hmm. how about you i agree i had a lot of fun at this movie too it was it was good there was a lot of funny moments Mm -hmm. that were surprisingly funny um i liked a lot of what alaska girl did like, just even phys- physically, when she's fighting crime, was fun. Mm-hmm. And it was fun to see her take the lead on these things and not just be at home being the shrew. Yep. And they even gave, like, one of the parts I complained about people, about plot movements being insufficiently motivated, but they gave really solid motivation in world for why it would be her. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, which I liked. Because she's less likely to cause collateral damage, and we have seen that through the last movie and the uh, fight scene at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. So that rings true, Mm -hmm. and it rings true as his motivation for wanting to foreground her rather than Mr. Incredible, and, like, that was all great, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I liked all the Violet parts. I think mm-hmm. I have a soft spot for Violet in general as as a character. And so I kind of liked her whole teenage angst and drama and trying to like put the superhero suit down the, what do you call it? The garbage thing in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it not getting destroyed at all because it's really well made. That was really fun. I also, there was just a moment where Ed, uh, she gets, Alastair Girl gets her new suit and it's made by whoever. And at that moment, I'm like, oh, Edna's going to be mad. And sure enough, Edna was totally mad about it. And I'm like, yeah, I called that. <laughs> because, yeah. of course, Edna makes the super suits. Like, come on. <laughs> I like if we're talking about moments that really made us laugh or that we really enjoyed. When <laughs> Violet squirts water out her nose. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great moment, too. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah. And, the, like, the, the moment when <laughs> when uh, Bob puts Jack-Jack to bed and then puts a table on top of his crib and stacks some books on top of the table. Yeah. <laughs> was also really funny, yeah. I thought. Yeah. yeah. So there was quite a lot that I had a lot of fun with and really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. So should we get into the way Way too seriously portion of our show? Let's do that. Where do you want to start? 
Well, one of the things I noticed in the trailers that I was really worried about was they really sold the movie in the trailers as like a Mr. Mom. What if Mr. Incredible had to stay home with the kids? Um, and I was, I didn't like that in the trailers at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I came into this movie anxious about that. Yeah. How do you think the actual movie did with that? Um, slightly better than the trailer. He wasn't quite as bumbling as the trailer made him out to be. No. But it's still, the conversation that they have before he goes off, before uh, Elastigirl goes off to be a hero of like, are you sure you can stay home with the kids? Are you sure you can take care of the, like, has he just like never taken care of his own kids? Violet's like 15. Yep. He has taken care of children before. Or if he hasn't, yuck. That's horrible. And I hate this like emotional labor that like, well, I have a love-hate relationship with it because I think that it's true to life that a mother can leave her leave feels guilty about leaving her kids mm -hmm. and feels like she has to uh keep in touch and find the shoes under the bed and whatever but it also just like it made Mr. Incredible feel like uh, such a jerk I did not it made him unlikable to me mm -hmm. the way he was so bitter towards her for going to work yeah. So bitter towards her for being a hero. For being... When she was a hero, when when he met her. Yep. He knew she was a hero. Yep. This was their whole relationship. How dare he then be like a giant man baby saying, oh, you get to go off and I have to do home. Like, <laughs> oh, it really made me dislike him. And his kind of victory in the end of learning how to take care of his kids a bit better was was good and kind of helped with that but I still just it the beginning of that really irked me see I feel like uh, the movie did quite a bit better than I was worried it would while not still having things that bothered me mm -hmm. he one of the problems from my perspective is that Mr. Incredible was pretty inconsistently written. Mm -hmm. And so there were moments when he, like his whole, all the characters were inconsistently written, frankly. Um, his whole, like resenting her for being appreciated. Yeah. It was a really a bad look. Mm -hmm. There was an aspect through the Mr. Incredible's adventures at home that was like, Parenting is hard. Yeah. That I actually kind of appreciated. Yeah. And there was also textually moments of him like, you're going to call, like muttering to himself, like, you're going to call mom. Like, I'm some second class parent. I'm right here. I can help you. Yeah. That felt uh, <laughs> that I appreciated also. Yeah, that's true. That his kids are like, I'm going to call mom instead. And he isn't saying, call mom. I can't do it. He's not the one calling her saying, honey, I can't find the shoes. Where are they? Yeah, that's a good point. Dashes. And he's saying, no, don't call your mom. She's at work. I'm right here. So I feel like he's a better, he's being a better parent than he is being a husband. Mm, yes. Yes. Like as a good parent, call. 
he's overwhelmed at first and then he rises to the occasion, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly. And there's a big difference when when I saw the trailers, I was annoyed, but there's a big difference between uh, mom is going to work nine to five and coming home every night and mom is going on a work trip yeah. and is gone for a week, is gone for two weeks. That's, it's much harder doing that by yourself, no matter how much experience you have parenting your children. And they give When you're used to a spouse being there, then that's exactly what you, that's how you feel when your spouse goes away is you're like, oh, I have to be a single parent. I'm not used to this. And they give him lines about Jack-Jack's powers that are like, it's not like the other kids. Yeah. So they make it text that like, I can handle a baby. A baby who multiplies and uh, shoots lasers lasers and turns into a demon is a little beyond me. Exactly. Which is fair enough. And I'm alone. And like, they made it text that like, I I don't think that the text is telling us that this is the only time he's been with his kids. Mm -hmm. I think the text is telling us that he's overwhelmed by the specifics of the situation and dealing with it alone. And that's fair enough. And quite frankly, I really like that he calls Frozone for yeah. help. He calls another man. He doesn't call in like, I need a woman's help, a woman's touch in this moment. He calls in like, dude, I just need some help here. You can help me out, Frozone, even though Frozone doesn't seem to have any kids. But somehow he can help, except that he totally can't help at all. He freaks out with... Yeah, and he and he and they send them off to Edna because she's the one woman they know. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Although... I think you could almost miss that because it's really plausible that Edna would be really into like your kid's freaky powers. I'm going to study it. Yeah. Uh, but they do end up sending the baby to the only other woman that they know. Mm, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. So all of that, like I feel like his relationship to the kids in his plot on the whole, I was happy with. Mm hmm. But his relationship to her and his, like, real intense bitterness and resentment, partly for her leaving him at home, but I don't think, I think that's minor. But the, like, for her getting recognition and for her getting to, you know, be the one that someone wants over him and he, like, can't handle it. I agree. I think that makes him really unlikable Mm -hmm. and was, as I said, a bad look. Yeah. And it never really got resolved. No. You never really saw him have a journey through that. And say like, oh, you really do are the one who needs to be take point. Or like, even in the last fight scene, if it had been like, you take point because you're better, whatever, that would have been a little gesture towards that. But there wasn't anything of that. I feel like maybe he said something, but now I can't remember. It's hard when you've only seen a movie once. Never, I mean, maybe something very subtle, but never something yeah. like, like the little speech that he gives at the end of the first Incredibles. Mm, yeah, definitely. There wasn't anything similar to that. And their relationship in general, they like had a bickering scene over the kitchen table that was an attempt to recreate the bickering scene in Incredibles 1. And it mm-hmm. wasn't as good because it wasn't as motivated because they yeah. didn't not, the characters didn't really have strong personal investment it was mm-hmm. a philosophical argument instead of a personal one yeah exactly 
the first one they were arguing about their kids and it had a meaning that was ideological behind it and the second time they were just arguing about the ideology yeah exactly uh so it wasn't as good mm-hmm. this movie passed the bechdel test it did several times yeah it really did i noticed that there's the she had a conversation with the female ambassador she had a conversation with uh, uh, Elastigirl had conversations with, um, what's her name? The other superhero girl woman? Void. Uh, Void. Void. And, that was just about themselves. And yep. with the villain who's female. A lot of those conversations did revolve around her brother, but. Not all of them. Not, not all of them. Exactly. I feel like even their first conversation that kind of, her brother kind of came up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's fair or accurate to say that it was about her brother. Yeah. It was about herself and her brother was like a contrast who came up every once in a while. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that, like, yeah. So I feel like in terms of uh, representation of gender and gender equality on screen, this movie did really well, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder if... She was added, the sister. I wonder if it was originally going to be him who was the bad guy. And they added her. And they added her. I was, I guess, we talked about whether you're surprised or not. I was a little surprised that it wasn't both of them. I hmm. thought this was their plot to get the super, to get her recognized. That they just, like, they invented a villain. Yeah. Me too. Like, and that was why it made way more sense for him to invented the villain. He wants to bring superheroes back to the limelight and she doesn't, but she invented the villain to give Elastigirl crises to solve, which brought her to the limelight. Yeah. But I guess the end game was to put all everyone on a ship together. I guess. Her end game, I guess. So that she could kill them all. It's also pretty in world. Like anyone who's not a moron. Oh, there's a villain who can hypnotize people. Oh, all the heroes suddenly are acting uncharacteristically villainous. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. You don't have to be a genius in world to figure out that looks like you didn't actually catch the screen slaver. And maybe that doesn't, give me lots of confidence in superheroes, but like, I'm not persuaded that you are villains after all, you know, yeah. like it just, her, her plan didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And the screen slaver made way more sense if it was a tool to draw publicity to superheroes, to create an artificial crisis they could solve so that everyone could praise them. Yeah. But they didn't want to do that because that would mean that superheroes weren't actually necessary. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So the whole conflict is p- just poorly thought out. Mm-hmm. Which brings to, I mean, like, okay, maybe we should touch on a couple of the other uh, things we usually talk about in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, how's this movie doing in terms of uh, race and representations of race? Mm. Still not great. Yep. I mean, you got Frozone. Yep. You have Honey off screen again saying some random line about her dinner. Yep. Which is funny. And I mean, maybe this this time was slightly better, but I don't know. I don't know. I it's didn't... basically, it's also like lazy. It's the exact same joke. Like, really? You have 
him going to get his super suit and his wife is like, no. And like, really? That's just like, come on. Yep. I guess it's a callback, but I felt like it was lazy writing. I agree. Uh, I didn't like that joke in the first movie and everyone else thinks it's funny and I never thought it was funny. Well, like, I'm not even offended by it. On, we had a whole rant about it on way too seriously. I am a little offended by it, but not because I'm offended by it. I just never thought it was particularly funny and I still don't. Yeah. Um, the second time, I think it's less funny. But yeah, like Frozone is the one representation of people of color in this universe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, the ambassador was played by Isabella Rossellini and she was okay. Latina. Uh, Isabella Rossellini isn't Latina, she's Italian. Okay, sorry. And in terms of like... Was this movie, how is this movie for heteronormativity? Well, that's an interesting question. I yeah. mean, it's quite heteronormative, but I felt like, and maybe I'm off base to talk to me if I am, the relationship between uh, Elastigirl, Helen, and uh, this new villain, El- Evelyn. Evelyn Deaver. Evelyn Deaver was kind of coded gay. I think a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's really out there or anything, but just the way she dressed, the way she acted, the way she kind of flirted with Helen Mm -hmm. felt like part of her reason for specifically targeting Helen was like for crush reasons. But maybe that's a little bit bananas. I don't know. What do you think? I can see it. But that's only headcanon. Like, that's yeah. just making it up. So, like, in terms of ac- actual representation, zero. Yeah. It is very heteronormative. Yeah. I think, like, even if we read that, read her, yes, adult, read it as gay as possible, she's still, like, as far as we know, closeted and never acts on anything. Yeah. So, exactly. like, that's not, a, that's not much to be happy with. Yeah. And they're like, there's Violet and uh, Tony. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I had any real issues with that, with the way that was represented. It kind of didn't go anywhere. I liked the way that by the end, Violet was like, okay, if I want this guy, then I just have to go get him. Yep. That, like, stop waiting for him to come to me. If he doesn't remember me, well, I know the reason why. I'm just going to, like, be friends with him and make or, like, ask him out myself, which I liked that as, like, a lesson for a teenage girl to learn is, you know, make the first move. And if you get rejected, you get rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, give it a chance instead of just waiting. Yeah, and I agree. Pining. So the big, like, philosophical, I feel like there was a an attempt at some philosophical complexity in this movie that I don't think landed. Yeah, I feel like every philosophical thing that it tried to try on, it failed. Like, I kind of ended the movie going, okay, when we talk about this, what are we going to say? Like, what exactly was it trying to say? Because, so let's take it, like, what does it think it's trying to say? What does it claim it's trying to say, right? Because the villain gave kind of two separate 
villain monologues mm-hmm. that are both maybe a key to what the filmmakers think the theme of their movie is. And maybe there's three. So she's the screen slaver. Everyone looks at screens. You don't play games. You watch game shows. You don't talk. You watch talk shows. Screens are bad. Okay. Yep. Uh, and screens will hypnotize you and turn you passive. And this is a movie about go do something active instead of watching your screen. Sit as here you watch as you watch screen. this movie. Like there's a, a, uh, it's a common theme, weirdly common theme in movies and TV of like, don't watch anything except this, what you're watching right now. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's one of the things this movie is trying to be about. And then her other uh, villain monologue was like, uh, technology is like a crutch that we rely on and... It's uh, kind of similar to the theme in Incredibles 1 of like syndrome invents all this stuff and it was bad. Mm-hmm. And they kind of make it more text. They put it in the mouth of the villain that inventing stuff makes people lazy and it want, they want things to be easy. And they want, they don't, like everyone just wants their life to be easy. It's kind of connected to the screens thing, but it's not really... And then the third one connected again, but not exactly the same in the same villain in her second villain monologue speech. She had a third idea, which is superheroes protect us and protecting us makes us weak, Mm -hmm. which is basically Lex Luthor's villain monologue. Yeah. Superman makes people weak by protecting them. Yeah. Supers make us weak and we shouldn't be relying on them. We should rely on our own selves and she conflates that with technology also makes us weak and we shouldn't rely on it, although I invent it. And she conflates that with, and screens are like, the are making us passive. Mm-hmm. So if that's what the villain thinks, then what the movies thinks its message is, is no, actually, uh... Self-reliance is overrated. (laughs) I don't know. Or that she's wrong and superheroes make us, don't make us passive. They make us active, except they don't ever show that. Exactly. They could have shown that, but they don't. And they, what the, the reasons for why superheroes would be good in this movie are kind of, again, two different reasons that aren't really connected to each other and also aren't really rebuttals of her villain reasons. And they're the one that, uh, like Dicker, is it his name? Mm-hmm. Says of like, governments don't believe in good people who do good just to do good. So superheroes are worthy, according to him, because they represent people who help and do good just because they can. And mm-hmm. Mr. Incredible kind of says something similar when like, when someone needs help, you just help, uh, whether it's legal or not, you help when you need to help. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then the other reason implied reason for why superheroes should exist is when Elastigirl inspires all these other heroes and like, I thought I didn't know what to do with myself, but when I see you, I was inspired. And this is also like a 
very much a Superman trope of like Superman is great because he inspires people. I don't, I, I'm not totally convinced that that is why Superman's great, but, uh, it's the standard party line for why Superman is he inspires people Mm -hmm. and why Elastigirl, because she inspired all these other heroes. And that's why superheroes are great because it, and we can extrapolate a little bit that like exceptional people inspire us all. Right. Yeah. But it's not really a rebuttal for what the villain was saying. Yeah. So and n- the legalization of superheroes solves none of the problems from the first movie as to why they went to legal in the first place. Yeah. They're tearing up the city. Yeah. And they totally do the same thing in this movie and it's all just swept under the rug. And they point in near the beginning of the movie when like, did you, you didn't catch the villain. You didn't save, rescue the, I mean, you didn't keep the bank from being robbed. You didn't stop the villain from destroying the city. Would anything have been different if you had just done nothing? Mm-hmm. And they never really answer that question. They sure don't. And like maybe catching the underminer would have answered that question a little. Mm-hmm. He just got away. He really did. Right? He'll be in Incredibles 3, I guess. I guess. <laughs> And that's what, the only thing that will, not thematic, not in terms of seriously, but in terms of comedy, the only thing that will mildly save that, uh, you better be back soon, off screen, joke is if it's a three beat. And in the third movie, they subvert it. Mm-hmm. Good point. Ah, uh, but if, it wasn't. If a, the, like, there's no actual plans for a third movie that we know of. No. So, like, where do we end up with this movie in terms of what it's saying about, like, the first movie had a real, ended up saying things about what it is to be exceptional or not. And you could disagree with them. And in fact, I do disagree with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But at least it was saying something. This movie, I'm not sure what it's trying to say. No, it's not saying anything. It's, it's very confused about its own message. Yeah. And what it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But in terms of what it's trying to say, it's not saying it. It's not. uh, Yeah. Nothing is. There's no depth to this. Yeah. And no, no insight into like nothing is a metaphor. Don't, don't try to think that this is any kind of metaphor because it's not. It's just a superhero romp that has no metaphor. Well, the metaphor is it, like screens are bad and action is good. I guess. The, the most the... coherent metaphor in the movie is uh, watching screens will make you a brain dead zombie. So go out and do something active. I guess. I just don't think that's a metaphor that Disney actually wants people to... I know. ...take away from this movie. It's exactly always the thing. Right. And it's not... And it's a, like... It's disingenuous. It's disingenuous, and it's a, like, eat your vegetables and floss your teeth. Like, okay. (laughs) Sure. Watch screens less. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to argue against you on that. (laughs) You know, like... Exactly. Who's who's the opposition in this argument? <laughs> yeah. So in the end, is it good? Is it seriously good? Oh. I think it's like 
medium good in terms of goodness. Like, it's pretty good. Yeah, we complained quite a lot, but I think that despite all our complaints, it's a lot closer to good than to bad. Yeah. I w- I'm comfortable with medium good. Mm-hmm. How about seriously? I really actually think that what it's doing with Mr. Incredible as a parent is more on the good side than the bad side. I guess. <laughs> and the gender, the representations of gender are more on the good side than the bad side. They did change some things in this movie that I, I like. And so maybe it is good. But. <laughs> but. The like extreme shallowness of it is a, maybe isn't a serious thing something we usually bring into seriously it also like pixar continues to have a race problem yeah we talked about this in many of our other movies coco was the exception yeah but there is a race there is a very white world and i mean they maybe subverted that had a little bit of that with their superheroes from all over the world and they're all signing this thing together and that was kind of cool i would have to watch the movie again because what was the skin tone of those people they all seemed white in my memory they were from various places but yeah various european countries various european countries it (laughs) seems like anyway and the top the line okay to interrupt and come back to some serious discussion just for one split second we have delegates from a hundred of the top countries he said. The top countries? Yeah. Like the ones that are in the top of the world? The ones that are the, the, the highest ones. El- the ones the at the highest ones, elevation? The good ones that we care about. Oh. And then who are those ambassadors? They're mostly light skinned because the good countries are the countries where the people are white. I'd have to watch it sure. again. There may have been ambassadors of color. I don't There were so. definitely Asian ambassadors. Okay. I would not say there were any African. Because but I'd have to watch it again. Those are not pop countries. Ugh, you're totally right. That's gross. Does that pop push it? Countries. Does that push it down? <laughs> I had almost forgotten that line. I think including the phrase "the top countries" is enough to make me want to call it seriously bad. <laughs> I don't think it's seriously bad, but I don't think it's That's quite a seriously bad phrase. Yeah, I I think we can call it seriously good, but. Not good. I think it's medium and seriously good. Medium good, we agreed on? Yeah. Is it seriously medium good? Seriously medium good, yeah. Both medium good and seriously medium good? It's almost. Yeah. On both sides, it's almost good, but doesn't quite, it misses the mark. I think it's a little more seriously good than good. Mm. Honestly. Because of the way that the plot just doesn't hold together properly. Yeah, I agree. Well, having said all that, I really liked it and would watch it again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I would like, I would kind of like to, there to be a third one now. Yeah. I would like the kids to age. Yeah. Quite a bit. Like, I think if they have a third one, I'd like the kids to be like five years older, six years older. I'd be interested in seeing what Jack-Jack is like as a six-year-old. Exactly. Oh, man. I'd like to see Dash as a teenager and Violet as a young adult and how she deals with her family being a family of superheroes, but also going off to college. Mm-hmm. I didn't 
this is so the wrong place to say this, but uh, I didn't really like Dash in this movie. I said I liked the performance. Uh, I thought he did what they asked him to do really well. But as a character written, like, he's primarily, his primary characteristic is lack of impulse control because he's a speedster. Yeah, agree. And like, ugh, that's all, both cliche and also makes me kind of want to smack him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't advocate child abuse, but <laughs> fictional characters, though. Fictional child abuse. No. <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to tell us which character you would smack, <laughs> you can do that. Uh, what do you, how do you, how do you do that, Paul? You can tweet us at WTScast. You can email us way too seriously cast at gmail.com. You can find us elsewhere on the web through the links in the show notes. And if you like this show, please do support it on Patreon. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And stay incredible. Stay super. Stay super, brah. Brah. <laughs> Shout out to Cameo of. Aquaman on Smallville. <laughs> Good times. <laughs>